Let us turn to the Psalm 3. It is the verse 4 through to 6 that I am considering with you tonight. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Now here we have what we could call David's testimony. He's telling the reader how he feels, what he has found in the Lord in his trial, in his trouble. He has been praying, verses 1 to 3, but it's not all prayer. He kind of breaks off in prayer here, and he, he just speaks to us now, not speaking to the Lord, but speaking to us about the Lord and how good the Lord has been to him. So he's prayed to God and now he's addressing us about God. He who prays to the Lord oftentimes is a man who is able to talk about the Lord. The man who knows God can talk about God. And so he who prays to God cannot but be brought to tell how good the God is that he prays to. So he wants to tell us more about the Lord, how God has been good to him. And if you want to talk about the Lord in a better way, and in a greater way, uh, the best way to do it is to get to know the Lord more and more. So to pray more, and you'll be able to talk more too about him. You know what it's like in the presence of a good man that has kind of made an impact on you, you come away talking about that man. Oh, isn't he a gentleman? Isn't he so knowledgeable? Isn't he so kind? David finds that with the Lord. He's come away from the Lord's throne of grace. And he just breaks out now into this testimony. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. And he heard me out of his holy hill. Now you will notice that this testimony of David that we are speaking about tonight, is up to date. He is not talking about something that happened 30 years ago. It's not that kind of a testimony of something in the distant past. No, it's something that is fresh. Something that is very recent. Now sometimes Christians relate their testimony, and all that they relate is the day that they were converted, and that might have been many, many years ago, and that's good. But what about the many years since? And what about last week? And what about yesterday? We might say, what about today? What, what is our testimony today? Is our testimony up to date? Do we still love the Lord? Do we still know the Lord? Do we know him even more? Have we something more to say about him? So how often is it that we can relate fresh things about God? Well, David is that kind of man. He's something fresh to tell us. He's come, as it were, from the throne of grace. And he's something up to date to say. I remind you of another occasion in David's life whenever he said in Psalm 66, verse 16, Come and hear, all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he have done for my soul. 
God has done something wonderful. I want to declare what he has done for my soul. And so we're sure that it's something fresh. And whenever he said that coming here, he's talking to the God-fearing. The world doesn't want to hear really about what God has done for your soul. They don't really believe it. But the God-fearing will always be an encouragement. They'll always want to hear. What has the Lord been doing in your life? And so David says, Come all ye that fear God. And I'll tell. I'll give my testimony. I remind you then that David is speaking about the night before. I recall to your memory the context of this psalm. It's the time of the rebellion of his son Absalom. It's a strong rebellion. It's growing. The rebellious son is out not only to get David's throne, but to take away David's life, the life of his own father, to get his crown. And he has a very strong force at his hand and a lot of counsel in his chamber. And it's looking very bad for David. It's not good at all. And in fact, even this very night, his life could be in jeopardy. And David's afraid. There's fear. And you see that in verses 1 to 3. There are many, Lord. They're risen up against me. They're troubling me. And so David has just told the Lord about his fears. He's given his lament. We call this a lament psalm about the situation. But now, in verse 4 to verses 6, his whole tone has changed. Something has happened. A sleepless man can now sleep. I laid me down and slept. A terrified man who laments now has peace to sleep. And he now awakens the next day with courage. For he says, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people. It's been a great change. Verse 4 tells us what has happened. I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. The remarkable thing is David wants to tell us this and he proceeds now to do it. Now in looking at these verses then of this testimony I point out two main heads. First of all what David did. I cried unto the Lord. And then secondly what it was that David found. What it was that he experienced. What it was that he received. After he did that, how did the Lord bless him when he sought him? And that's our two main points tonight. First of all, what David did. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. So his testimony here is about the Lord. It's mainly about what God did. But of course, You can't talk about the Lord and what the Lord has done without talking somewhat about yourself. So you have to say something about yourself in a testimony. It's very hard to give a testimony and not say aye. Now a preacher can preach without saying aye and just preach the Lord and preach the word. But when it comes to a testimony uh, and to saying about the Lord's goodness in your own life, of course you can't do that without saying aye. And so he begins, "I, I cried Unto the Lord. The testimony is a witness. And the saint is a witness of the Lord's goodness in his life. And that witness of course has to relate something of a personal nature. When he comes to do that. David cried. 
That's what he did. Is that all he did? That's all he says he did. I cried. Is that it? Yes. That's it in the main. He's a helpless man in himself. He's a hopeless man in himself in actual fact. I cried. Nothing about good works here. Nothing about what I did and uh, how I got the strength and how I organized the forces and how I got into the administrative work and saw things rolling so that we could deal with this whole situation. There's, there's no talk about anything like that. What he did, he just said, I cried. You know, if the, if the ungodly were looking in at him, they'd despise him. Look at him, he's pitiful. He's crying unto God. All he can do is cry and weep and with a loud voice call upon God. He's a pitiful man. They would even see even more he was helpless if they saw him in his prayer closet. They would say, he's not a mighty man. Look at the mighty man now that went before Goliath. There he's in the closet on his knees just crying unto God. That's all he did, I cried. So it's not a, a, a story that's exalting himself. He's not going about the great man you know that I am and what I did and all this and that. The way some testimonies are related. I cried. I cried. That's all the poor sinner can do. Weak and feeble. Not a mighty man at all. No greatness here. No telling of his abilities. No, I did this, I did that. No, he said, I just shed tears. I was just an object of pity before my God. That's his testimony. The world despises such an object of pity. No time for it. Absalom and Satan hold this man in more contempt when they see him crying, pitifully weak. That's what the testimony is. It's a testimony of how pitifully weak he is. So there's no ego here when he says, I, I cried. That's always our testimony, brethren and sisters. Let it never get beyond that. Our testimony is, I'm poor and needy. But the Lord thought of me. Our testimony is, I was helpless sinner, but I cried to the Lord. I sought God. That's what David did. He cried. Not only did he cry, but he cried to the right person. That's a very important thing. There are many people that cry. There are many people that shed tears. There are many people that are looking pitiful. But even with all of that, they don't cry unto the right person. But he cried unto the right person. I cried unto the Lord. The Lord. And this change that came about came about through prayer. Notice how David describes his prayer. He doesn't just say, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. That's all he had to say. I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. But that's not what he says. Whenever the psalmist writes psalms, the poetry of the psalms, they use minimal words. 
Psalms are generally short, compact, but full of meat in the poetic form. And there's not an unimportant word in a psalm. And what David says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. And he heard me out of his holy hill. He has to give us that information. David, who is economic with words, doesn't want to omit these words. It was with my voice I cried. And it was unto the Lord in his holy hill. He was in his holy hill when I cried to him. This is very important information in his testimony. My voice. In fact, in the original, in the Hebrew, my voice comes first. With my voice, I cried unto the Lord. In other words, he was audible. It wasn't silent prayer. It wasn't just inward prayer. It was outward. It was audible. It was heard. If others were nearby listening, they would have picked up the words. I think silent praying in the Bible is very rare. You do meet it occasionally when you, you know, yes, he's silently praying there. The case of Nehemiah, for example. But I think generally, praying in the Bible is always with a voice. And I think that's a good way for us to pray, if at all we can do it. It helps us to order our words right. That's why David is doing it. He wants to be correct in his words. He, he wants to frame his words. And so it helps him to say it audibly. It also shows that he's sincere. Not just thinking these things in his heart with a general kind of you know, feeling, but he's showing sincerity before the Lord, just coming before God as if he's very present and just speaking to him. It also shows he's earnest. He wants to be focused on this matter. And so I cried with my voice, with my voice, I cried. Maybe he wanted others to hear him. Maybe he has not shut the closet door. Because you see, he's a king. He's a ruler. And his people are depending on him. What kind of man is he going to be now in this calamity, in this danger? As if my people have to know that I'm praying to. They have to know that their king is trusting God. So maybe there's a bit of that in it. We're not sure. David is not directing his prayer into space. He knows where to find the Lord. He knows where the Lord is. He knows how to get to the Savior in his holy hill. Uh, with my voice I cried unto the Lord and he heard me out of his holy hill. He knows where the Lord is. He knows the place to go to find God. His holy hill. You'll find that expression in the Psalms five or six times. In fact, it occurs in Psalm 2. Yet I've set my king upon my holy hill of Zion, my Christ. He's there in that holy hill. And whoever arranged the Psalms knew this very well and put Psalm 3 in there. I cried unto the Lord in his holy hill, where all the direction of the world takes place, where the sovereign throne room is, where God rules through his Christ. That's the center of the universe. That's where it's all planned. That's where all the enemies of God are overthrown. It's not Satan's throne is the control room. It's a holy hell. It's a holy hell too. All his works are holy. All his works are righteous. So this is a holy hell that David directs his prayer to. 
not empty air, not to the wall that faces him. He comes to a place. Now, not physically, literally. There is no temple yet in actual fact. It has not been built yet. He doesn't even have the Ark of the Covenant present because he sent that back to Jerusalem. This is the true dwelling place of God that he's speaking about. This is heaven itself. This is God's throne of grace. It's still, still a holy throne. Exalt the Lord our God, Psalm 99, verse 9. And worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. There are those who say he's just praying towards Jerusalem. And of course they're right, in one sense. Except for the word just. He's not just praying towards Jerusalem. He is praying towards Jerusalem. Physically speaking, he is. But if we say that that's the height of David's faith, then they're wrong. David knows the difference between shadow and substance too, just the way we do. Sometimes we think that these Old Testament saints are fools. That they have the picture books and they can't see beyond that. We seem to think, oh, they, oh, they just thought the shadow was all. Whenever the prophets wrote about all these things, they just saw the shadow. They didn't even know what they were writing about. That's nonsense. They knew the difference between shadow and substance. So let's not think that these Old Testament saints had no faith and no understanding, that they didn't see beyond the pictures and types and shadows. They knew very well the shadow form was not the true form. They were not stupid. And they were not untaught by the Holy Spirit. They had true faith. And they could come to God's holy hill by faith. Now they had to use the external means and the ritual. They had to obey the, the, the form as it was then presented. And to use the shadows. But, but they saw beyond that. They knew that this set forth something glorious. I set my king on my holy hill of Zion. There is the right hand of God. There is the throne of grace. They came to the throne of grace too. And we are reminded in Psalm 2. We're, we're this place beside Psalm 3. That Christ is the, is the one in the holy hill. The mediator. David knows that we need a mediator. He, he works through the priests. He knows that there has to be the altar. And the shedding of blood. He knows that it's only through grace that he comes to this holy hill. So he didn't have the full light of day the way we do. And he didn't see all the detail of Calvary the way we can. But he got a fair part of the substance in his holy hill. He heard me. We have a great high priest that has passed into that holy hill now. Jesus, the Son of God. And we can come boldly to the throne of grace. So this is what David did. He just came to the throne of grace. He just came to God's holy hill and he just cried. That's his testimony. That's the testimony of every sinner. I was dark. It was desperate. I called upon the Savior. He heard me. What did David find? Well, this is where his testimony really begins to grow now. Where it really waxes large as he begins to relate what God has done for his soul. And he gives God all the glory of it. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. And the first thing he relates is how God heard him. He heard me. He heard me. This thrills David's heart. 
Though God dwells on a holy hill. Yes, it is a holy hill. David can't get away from that. Though God dwells on a holy hill. Yet he heard me. He heard me, the poor needy sinner. Out of his holy hill. And David can't get over this. He always praises God for that. The poor and needy one, he heard me. And I don't think David's feeling particularly holy at the moment himself. uh, This particular night. Yet God hears him. God hears him. He knows that part of this reason he's having to go out here and his son has risen up against him is part of uh, the fruit of his own sin. He knows that. He doesn't feel particularly holy. Probably feels a failure. Probably feels like Jonah in the fish's belly. And Jonah said the same. I looked towards his holy temple. I cried. He heard me. Salvation belongs unto the Lord. There are parallels between Psalm 3 and Jonah 2. The same experience. The unworthy sinner calls unto the Lord in his holy hell and God still hears him. Because of the power of the blood of Christ. Because of the mediator. So the glory is God. God hears him. He, he extols God's grace. He's saying the Lord stooped. The Lord stooped from his holy hill to hear me. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. And saved him out of all his troubles. I sought the Lord, he says in another psalm. And he heard me. He always hears me and delivered me from all my fears. Now, how did he know the Lord heard him? How was he assured in his own mind and heart the Lord heard him? Well, we know because of what follows, what he relates to us in these verses. But even before the answers begin to flow, he has the assurance, the Lord heard me. The Lord heard me. He felt strengthened in his own soul by prayer, by praying. The Lord gave him the immediate assistance as he prayed. He felt the Lord upholding him and sustaining him. He, he had the assurance in his heart. That's not just about feelings. He just knew. It's about God's promises, isn't it? The Lord says, call upon me in the day of trouble, I'll answer you. It's about the promises of God. He, he believes the word. He believes the promises. I cried. And he, he's one who keeps his promises. He heard me. So by virtue of the promises, he, he knows that God has heard him. God has promised to hear me. No, God, God's true. But I think especially he must be getting the assistance of the Holy Spirit in his own soul. The Lord has come to the poor soul somehow. The Lord has shone in his heart as he's been on his knees in his despair. The Lord has shone in his heart and he just knows he heard me. He heard me. I'm sure of it. He made his word lively to me as I prayed. In the day when I cried, thou answerest me, he said on another occasion, and strengthen me with strength in my soul. You put strength in my soul. He says as much in verse 5. He says, the Lord sustained me. The Lord infused strength into him. Give him the grace. And this is further testimony to the Lord's goodness in his life. He came to me. He stood by me. He gave me the assistance. We're asking about the benefits of having cried unto the Lord. What did the Lord do after he cried? Well, 
The Lord sustained him, he says in verse 5. The word means to uphold with the hand. Like you hold up an old frail person. Or a fainting person. Or have you ever tried to get up a person who has collapsed and they can't get up? It's hard, isn't it? They're weary. It's not easy. The Lord, he upholds us, our weight. While we find it hard to uphold others, ourselves, because we are so weak and feeble, we don't have the strength. We hardly even hold up ourselves. The Lord's Almighty. And it's easy for him to uphold us. It's easy. He upheld me with his hands. Underneath the everlasting arms. Put his hand forth to give me the, the assistance. And whenever someone takes your weight. And you know they're taking your weight. And you know it must be hard on them. You, you appreciate their kindness in that. And David knows how good the Lord is. He, he can appreciate that the Lord is upholding him. How, how good is God. He doesn't let me sink. He doesn't pass me by the way the priest passed by the, the poor man who was beaten and robbed. Just lets him lay there. Oh, the Lord can't let his servant lay helpless. He comes to uphold him, to sustain him, and he gives this testimony. The Bible says, who holdeth our soul in life. The Lord holds us every day. It's not why we're not in the grave. He's upholding us every day. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, he shall not utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. The Lord, whenever I said, my foot slippeth, I'm gone, Lord. It's, it's nearly up with me. Thy mercy, O Lord, it, it held me up. It sustained me. This is what David is finding here. He's really low, but the hand of the Lord has sustained him. He has brought peace into his soul. Now, if you read verses 1 to 3, he seems to be a man who lacks peace, but he's cried unto the Lord, and all the anxiety seems to go, and he says, I laid me down and slept. He thought it was going to be a wretched night with no sleep, but he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord gave him peace, and he slept like a little child. He gave his beloved sleep, even though he's in the trial. Like the Savior on the boat, the disciples couldn't sleep, but the Savior slept. He has peace in the midst of the storm. David knows this is not man-made. This is not a man-made peace. How can you have peace in the midst of your, the greatest and the worst storm in your life? It's not natural. But this is supernatural. His own son is trying to murder him and to steal his crown. And he says, I lay down and slept. What kind of man is he? He's a man who has the peace of God that passes all understanding. And many of God's people have told the same story. It was in the worst storm of my life that I had the greatest peace that I ever knew. The Lord gave it to me. So he's peace in the midst of the storm. It's vain to rise up early. It's vain to sit up late and eat the bread of sorrows. He giveth his beloved sleep. So he does. In verse 8 of Psalm 4, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. When thou liest down, the proverb says, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lay down, and thy peace shall be sweet. 
David's finding that. You remember Peter in the prison? Herod had him in the prison. He was going to deal with him in the execution. He's between two soldiers. He's bound with chains. And what does the Bible say? He was asleep. And whenever the angel came, he had to give him a nudge to wake him up. He was in such a sound sleep. And when the angel did wake him up, he thought he was still asleep, seeing a vision. Now the Lord give his servant peace. So, so this is what the Lord did. The Lord will give us the grace and the help that we need. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stead on thee. And then he awaked, he says. I awaked. God had heard prayer. He, he brought him through the evening. You see, it's always a, a difficult night, this. Because no one really knows how far Absalom's tentacles are reaching out into the hearts of his followers. It is not known how many traitors are in the camp. How many would play the assassin when they see David in his weakness and try to get in maybe into the good books of Absalom and play the assassin. It's a dangerous night for a ruler. And he had me down his life. I awaked. The Lord sustained me. The Lord heard. The Lord guarded me. The Lord kept me. And so in looking to God's holy hill, he found that psalm that we sung tonight fulfilled. Psalm 121. The help came from him who's in the hills, from this holy hill, who didn't suffer us to be moved, but kept us while we were sleeping. He didn't sleep, you see. He wasn't slumbering. The Lord doesn't slumber or sleep, but he, his servants do in his grace. But he stays awake, God. Psalm 121. David has found this. I think maybe he might even append that at a similar time as this. Who can tell? After he awakens, does it change? You know, the night before, was it a delusion? Was it just feeling? Was it just emotion the night before? Was it just tiredness getting in on his mind? Was it just himself convincing himself all was well when he put his head to the pillow? Was it just a case of self-persuading? And now that I've awaked, is it different? No. It's not another day back to reality of the day before. No, it was a real help of the Lord. And the Lord is still there. And the Holy Spirit is still present. Because he says there, verse 6, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. And so he has courage now. The Lord has heard his prayer. I cried unto the Lord. What happened in your life, David? He gave me courage. I who was afraid of the many, the growing multitude. Now he says, I don't care if there's ten thousands of them round about me. What a change. And this has come from a man who has spent time before God. So the Lord has done this in his heart. And the lesson is that the Lord hears you in your day of trouble and gives you the grace and answers you. He helps you in desperate times, brethren and sisters. He won't let you down when you're at your lowest. You see how his next prayer now goes. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast 
broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. What faith he has now. What assurance. What confidence in God. What boldness now he possesses. All because I cried unto the Lord. And so the lesson is, brethren and sisters, the Lord will not let you sink. No matter how poor and needy. No matter how utterly unworthy. Cry unto him. In faith. Through Christ the mediator. And he will hear you. He will have pity. He will be merciful. He will save. And you will sing. Salvation belongs to him. And his blessing never leaves his people.